At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Hey, it's Holden Kushner here in for Ben. Adam Burke with me tonight on the run line here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. What a wonderful day in Major League Baseball. Adam and I have a ton to discuss. We're talking about the AL Central, break down the Twins, of course, the dead ball, the lack of home runs. Although today, Mr. Burke, was a nice day for offense. I think we had about 10 games. 10 games go over double digits. Seems like it's vacillating back and forth. One day we don't have runs. One day we have runs. How are you, my friend? And what's going on in your world of baseball? I'm doing good, man. You know, like I texted you right before the show, 20 of the 30 teams that played yesterday in Major League Baseball had three or fewer runs, 12 of them with one or zero runs. Then today we get an offensive explosion. So... I don't really know what to make of today. We had 44 home runs hit on Friday. That was the best total of the year. So I don't know, man. It's just crazy what we've been dealing with here, trying to figure out what day is going to have offense and which day won't. Is it possible that it's just going to go away here pretty soon with the weather warming up? Is that it? Like last, These numbers are worse than last April when we were complaining about this, and they were absolutely abhorrent. But maybe it warms up and we start seeing offense again. It's as simple as that. I do think that, you know, the the properties of the baseball with the humidor in all 30 parks now, it will be a little bit different in the warmer weather. And if you look at a lot of the teams that have really struggled offensively, a lot of East Coast teams, a lot of Midwest teams, a lot of the teams in the AL Central have kind of struggled, especially at home, like Chicago, the White Sox, for example. Part of that has to do with injuries, too. But, you know, also the ball just doesn't carry in Chicago in the month of April in some of these colder weather cities. So, yeah, we could end up in a situation here within the next two or three weeks where, the odds makers still have these low totals of seven, seven and a half, but we're actually getting offense. So maybe we kind of drag a little bit closer to 50-50 on totals over the next two or three weeks. You know, that's interesting. So how do we want to attack this? Because you're taking it game by game, right? I mean, obviously there's the bias. We haven't seen a lot of runs scored this season. It's off to a slow start. We've got the home runs on the decline. I know you're going to break that down statistically for us a little bit later on in the hour, but... Do we want to take advantage of these unders as is, or is it a dangerous proposition now with the weather possibly warming up? Yeah, I think it's a really fair question, honestly. And also, too, something to kind of consider here a little bit as we go forward is that, you know, relief pitchers, right? Bullpens have been dominant for the most part here so far. You can look at a lot of the numbers on a team-by-team level, a lot of teams 350, 375 ERA or lower. As those guys get a little bit fatigued, you know, start making more appearances, yeah, they're into the middle of the season, but also you've got some guys that already have 10, 12, 14 appearances already. When we get to the month of May, do those guys start to struggle a little bit? Do they kind of show some signs of wear and tear? So 
I think we just have to take it on a case-by-case basis. But, you know, I, I do think that there is an uptick in offense coming. I just wish I could pinpoint exactly when it is. All right. Please do that so we can all make money and just find out which days that it's all going over. And then Adam Burke will be the most popular man in sports betting. It'll be great. Let's look at some of the games that went down today, Adam. One that just ended a few minutes ago. Listen, it was a little sweat for me. I took the Nationals a plus money. They're up big. They're up seven to nothing, maybe eight nothing. And San Francisco scores five runs in the seventh. I see Davey Martinez bringing in three different relievers. They couldn't do it. I'm like, should I cash out? Should I cash out? I didn't ultimately. But in this game, Josiah Gray comes over from the Dodgers and the Trey Turner deal. He was great today. Six shutout innings of uh, of one-hit baseball. I think that's a nice future here for Washington. Soto with three hits. Maybe the two or three reporters in Washington that have been on his butt because he's not coming up with runners in scoring position and getting the job done. Maybe they'll shut up a little bit. And on the other side of things, okay, so the Giants took a loss. Still 14-8. and eight. I don't think they're going to have the same record they had last year. But to be honest, Adam, I think this team is every bit as dangerous as they were last year. Yeah, you know what's really interesting about this series for the Nationals is that in the previous two games, they had 33 at-bats with a runner in scoring position. And then today they had a bunch as well. Obviously, they scored 11 runs. They were four for 15 with men in scoring position. And while this offense isn't very good, you know, it's very top-heavy. Juan Soto, you know, Josh Bell has hit mm-hmm. relatively well. If Nelson Cruz ever shows any signs of life, this offense will look a lot better. But they're actually fourth going into today in number of plate appearances with a runner in scoring position. So despite all the issues that they've had, and they had played the most games with 23, that was part of it. But despite all the issues that they've had offensively, they're still getting chances. And they were third in batting average with runners in scoring position going into today at 289, went four for 15 today. So they kind of stayed right around that average. But this is a team that is generating some chances, which was really surprising to me because the bottom half of their order is just not very good. And teams are kind of pitching around Juan Soto and all that. I was surprised to see some of the numbers on them today where maybe they're not as bad as they've played here so far. Um, I think they're a pretty bad team. <laughs> no, they are. You're right. Juan I, I would say uh, offensively, they're yeah, not as right. bad as they were. Juan Soto is going to get going with runners in scoring position, okay? I think we can agree to that. He's going to be a perennial MVP candidate, and I get what you're saying here. I want to go to a game that nobody was talking about. Not a lot of people were at this game either. It's Seattle at, at Miami, and I'm a fan of both these teams. I told you about my love for Pablo Lopez, and I had Alcantara today. Uh, but on the other side, it was the Mariners. Logan Gilbert lowered his ERA to, what, 0.64? And my guy, Julio Rodriguez, was his first major league home run. The Mariners are 12-10. and 10. The Marlins are 12-9 and 9 after Seattle's 7-3 victory today. Give me thoughts on both these teams. Let's start with the Mariners, though, because now you got one of your top prospects up adding to a lineup that is surging. Gilbert leading this rotation. I like what's cooking in Seattle right now. Yeah, Logan Gilbert, one run allowed over five and two-thirds, actually raised his ERA a little bit, which is kind of remarkable with the start to the season that he's had. Look, I also like this Mariners bullpen. You know, they've kind of taken – they've had some kid gloves a little bit early on here. Andres Munoz hasn't pitched back-to-back days. They were missing Paul Sewald for a while. He was on the COVID list. Uh, But now that they got him back, things are kind of settling into form for this bullpen. As you said, the offense is pretty good. Julio Rodriguez is – Starting to learn now on the job. You know, no matter how touted these prospects are when they come up, MLB is a different animal. You know, yeah, you've got velocity in the minor leagues, but you don't have the breaking stuff. You don't have the command that a lot of these guys have at the big league level. And also, too, a lot of his strikeouts 
have been called thirds outside the zone where the umpires just do not respect him for whatever reason. So now that he's starting to hit a little bit, has more of a feel for the strike zone, Scott Service has gone to bat for him a few times saying, look, you know, it's unfair what they're doing to this kid. And, I mean, look, he's, he's batting seventh in a pretty darn good lineup. And now that he's coming around, I agree. The Mariners definitely have a, a lot to like here. Chris Flexen can be bet, at, bet on at home, not necessarily on the road. Logan Gilbert can be bet on everywhere. Uh, Robbie Ray, I think, will be okay. Not as good as he was last year. But this is a solid offense and a really strong bullpen. The Mariners do have a lot of positives going their way. And, you know, it's always nice to take a game down there in Miami where the Marlins typically pitch very, very well. So the next game I want to talk about was with another young pitcher. And I don't know how many of these young pitchers are going to continue their success that they've had in April. A, it's a long season. B, you know, they, a lot of them have not even flirted uh, with 200 innings. But Tristan McKenzie today goes out and deals again. Six and a third shutout innings. Kid strikes out seven. They take out the A's. I don't know what the attendance was out there. But if you ask me off the top of my head, I'd say sub 5,000, even though it's a nice Sunday out there in the Bay Area, but McKinsey takes care of business, a big four-run third for the, the Guardians. Did I do it again, Burke, by the way? Did I screw up their name? Because that would be the second time this season I've done it, both times with you, so I'm going to blame you and use you as a scapegoat. The Guardians are 10-12, and 12, the A's are 10-12. and 12. I'm still buying into the Guardians. I like their offense a lot. What do you think about McKinsey going forward? Well, I don't know if I'm buying the Guardians, and I don't know if I'm buying this offense either, but this was a really, really good matchup for Tristan McKenzie. And in fact, this was the only best bet I had in today's article was the Guardians laying that short price, minus 120. You could find minus 118 or lower out there. But this was, a, this was the perfect matchup for him. An Oakland lineup that was second in the league in strikeout percentage, a lineup that was, I think, 26th in walk rate. They don't walk, they strike out a lot. The biggest issue for Tristan McKenzie is he walks a lot of guys, and we have seen that throughout the course of the season already. The second biggest issue for him, he allows a lot of home runs. His command is not particularly great. He's kind of a fly ball pitcher. This was the optimal spot for him, though, against a high strikeout, low walk lineup in a ballpark that suppresses power. All of them are suppressing power this year, but especially Oakland Coliseum. This was the best possible situation for him, and he pitched really, really well. What he does going forward I'll be interested to see. Against teams that walk a lot, I do not like Tristan McKenzie. Against high strikeout, low walk teams, I think he'll be really, really good. So that's kind of the thing. I think that you can back him in certain spots, and because of how he is in some of his starts, he probably won't be that highly priced. So he is a guy that we can probably make a little bit of money on playing on, but I think we could also make some money playing against him too. I like it. I like the strategy. I'm a big fan of that. We do have a game going on right now. Uh, before we get to the Mets and the Phillies, 2-1 Mets on top, that game in the... At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. 
Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Fourth, a couple quick thoughts on the Dodgers here. 6-3 victory. Walker Bueller goes out. He's spectacular. 6-3 win over the Tigers today. Bueller, five shutout innings. He struck out five yesterday. Kershaw becomes the strikeout leader in the Dodgers franchise history. I mean, is there any value even betting on these guys to win the World Series at this point? <laughs> They're just, they're so deep. And, and listen, they've only got one, but it is a lot of fun watching this super team. Yeah, not only are they deep, but also they proved last year that if they feel like they have holes, they're going to do whatever it takes to fill them. And, and they got Max Scherzer and Trey Turner last year. If they feel like they need something, they have the currency to go and get it. They're very, very good on the player development side. So they have those assets. They have those luxuries to go out there and make a big trade. So, look, I mean, I, I can't fault anybody for betting the Dodgers at you know any, any reasonable price that's out there just because they are that good of a team. Real quick, I want to mention, though, Eduardo Rodriguez pitched today for the Tigers. Didn't pitch very well as ERA's up to 533. But Eduardo Rodriguez on the year has now faced the White Sox, who maul lefties, Boston, who is off to a little bit of a slow start offensively, but the Yankees, who make a ton of hard contact, the Twins, and then here against the Dodgers. So Eduardo Rodriguez has had five really tough starts out of the shoot. Maybe a guy we can back here soon. Love it. Love the point. We'll be looking at Eduardo Rodriguez down the, down the line here. Let's uh, talk a little home runs on the decline. We know offense struggling here to begin the season. Plus, we'll dive into the Mets and the Phillies. That game just underway. He's Adam Burke. I'm Holden Kushner. This is The Run Line on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Holden Kushner here alongside Adam Burke, The Run Line on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. My friend, Mr. Burke, we got one game in progress right now. They're sitting in the fourth inning, top of the fourth. Mets hosting the Phillies. 2-1 Mets on top. Max Scherzer is Max Scherzer once again. Three and two-thirds, three hits a run, five strikeouts. Gosh, you know how great the Mets were on paper when they had DeGrom and Scherzer at the top? Um, <laughs> it's It was pretty nasty, but you knew something was going to happen, right? Well, that happened. Zach Eflin. Um, who is not nearly as good on the road as he is at home, giving up two runs at three innings. And right now, up the Phillies. How about Schwarber hitting a home run, huh? Is that his seventh of the year? He just hit a two-run bomb. It is now 3-2 Philadelphia over the Mets in the top of the fourth. And funny, because Schwarber had hit his sixth home run earlier in the game, Adam. This guy's in line to hit 35 this season. What a pickup for the Phillies. You know what's really weird about that ball that he just hit out was he was kind of on his front foot. He was sort of fooled by it, change up down and away. And that's the first home run I feel like I've really seen just kind of keep carrying, just sort of keep going off the bat. And there have been some unconfirmed reports, we'll say, from pitchers that have kind of said, look, you know, I, I get thrown two different balls. I get thrown one ball where the seams are higher, a ball where the seams are lower, a ball that seems like maybe it was from a previous season versus one in this season. That ball carried a long way to be hit the way that it was from Schwarber there. Also hit very, very high in the air. And look, batted balls, fly ball distance is down six feet on average from the previous season. That was not the case with that ball. So I don't know what's going on, but that looked like a home run more from 2019 than 2022. Well, he's also a Mets killer is what Schwarber's turning into. What is that, 12 home runs against the Mets since the start of last year? You know what is interesting? You brought up, you brought up about uh, Schwarber there. 
um, the ball just keep carrying. I think I saw that with Eric Hosmer yesterday for the Pirates and the Padres. It was cold. It was gross. But he hits the ball oppo, and it just keeps going and going. It was more like he hit it on a line drive, though, than anything else. Again, small sample. We're talking about two hit balls, right? But maybe there's something to it. And since uh, Schwarber just hit two home runs, I think it's a wonderful time to get in what we were going to talk about anyways. Home runs continuing to be on the decline. Now, personally, Adam, I think you and I, if we discuss this a month from now, when the weather warms up, we won't be worried about it as much. But you look at the home run rates by year, as you have brought up to me, 2018, 4.5%. We went to a peak of 5.5 5 in 2019. And right now, we're down to 4.3%. Although Kyle Schwarber tweaked that just an itsy, itsy bit right there. Talk to me here about the decline in home runs. Yeah, so I thought there was a really interesting tweet, and I actually linked this in my daily article today over at VEASAN.com from Codify, or Codify Baseball. 2021 through April 25th, a sample size of over 93,000 pitches, there were 728 home runs. 2022 through yesterday, so the same sample size of days, 574 home runs. So about 144, 150 or so fewer home runs in the same type of sample size here. And you would think with the season starting a few days later that the weather would maybe be a little bit warmer, average temperature would go up a little bit. This is not the temperature. This is not shortened spring training. This is the baseball. This is because of those humidors that have been put in all 30 parks. And we've seen significant home run rate drop-offs in the parks that didn't have a humidor last year and now do. And we've seen pretty consistent numbers from the 10 parks that had a humidor last year. So you know, I think it's really interesting to just look at kind of the physics and sort of the aerodynamics of the baseball. And look, I do think that to some degree, this kind of levels off as it gets warmer. I don't think it's going to completely level off. So we may still have a little bit of a down year from a power standpoint. And that's you know really interesting when you consider that the home runs per fly ball percentage is the lowest it's been since 2014. So you know this is with you know teams working on their launch angle, guys actively trying to hit the baseball in the air, actively trying to pull it in the air for power. You know, now we're seeing a decrease in home runs. It's got to be the baseball. It's not the pitchers. It's not the hitters. Hitters are making harder contact than ever before. It's the baseball. So we're going to have to watch and see if there are indicators of when it starts to change. What about the number of pitchers that teams are, are using right now? I, I'm probably in the minority. I like the fact that a pitcher has to be in there for three batters unless there's the end of an inning. Speeds the game up a little bit. I was actually watching Will Clark sent a tweet out today of his, uh, his home run back in, what was it, 89 in the NLCS against the Cubs for the Giants. And then I went through his file there. There was, or, or through his, his Twitter handle, and he had a bat that was up there. It took three pitches, took 24 seconds. <laughs> it was kind of fun. But that has nothing to do with the home runs we're talking about right now. What we're talking about is relief pitchers, right? See the amount of relief pitchers that are coming in. Obviously, some guys are going to come in, throw 103 miles an hour. I think we thought, saw that today. And then there's another reason why some of these relief pitchers are relief pitchers. They're just not quite as good. Is that a component into this? Yeah, I think to some degree it, it could be because you do have the expanded rosters that you alluded to. And, you know, maybe you don't have to use guys back-to-back -back or three out of four days if you don't necessarily want to. But also a lot of those guys with the expanded rosters, they're not really getting used anymore. They were sort of there just because starters were going to go three or four innings as they kind of built their arms up a little bit. Most of those guys now just simply aren't really being used. So I don't really know if that's too much of a factor. 
We know that the game is very specialized now, though. So, you know, you don't get the third time through the order for the starting pitcher as much and all of that. But, you know, as I kind of look through here and trying to compare year over year with some of the reliever stats here, you were talking about a 350 ERA for relievers in 2022 going into today's action. That would be the lowest by 0.21 runs in the stat cast era dating back to 2015. So relievers have been much more successful and also they're allowing a lot fewer home runs, a home run to fly ball percentage of 9.3%. I'm guessing that's probably the lowest since pre-steroid era. So relievers are not giving up home runs and I'm not entirely sure why that's the case outside of just looking more at the baseball, but it is something to be said about, you know, how dominant relief pitchers have been and why a lot of these games have stayed under the total because they start low scoring and the relievers are just shutting the door. Yeah, so ultimately just the home run rates are down. It's as simple as that. Unless Kyle Schwarber is facing the Mets, home run rates are going to be down. I, and and I, I say this again with no historical data with the exception that logic says, well, there is historical data, right? When it warms up, the ball flies farther. I'm telling you right now, though, I really feel like this. You just get this warm weather, and we're not going to be talking about it as much. And maybe we are using a deader ball or a dead ball, but the impact of that is going to be outweighed by the warm weather. There's just, I, I don't think handicappers take it into account as much. And Adam, you and I actually discussed this a little bit last week. Um, and, and I think home runs are about to change. Like, if you're not checking the weather when you are handicapping a game, you're doing it all wrong. I, I don't even know. <laughs> I don't know how you're how you're winning better unless you're tailing someone that's almost perfect. Like to me, when it warms up, the ball's gonna fly. You've got to be cognizant of wind blowing in to the side, blowing out. Is it going to change in and out during the game? So I'll say this till I'm blue in the face, my friend. Home runs, they're on the decline. It looks bad from April over April. I think it's gonna it's about to change big time within the next two to three weeks. Lowest home run to fly ball percentage for relievers since 2014. Uh, so I was able to look that up. And, you know, we got mm -hmm. a 3-3 game now here on Sunday Night Baseball where, you know, six runs in four innings is an absolute offensive explosion with what we're seeing here so far. Yeah, You know, I, I need to see data. I can speculate and say that, you know, the humidor is going to have a big impact as the weather gets warmer. And also you're going to get those warm carrying breezes. You know, if it's windy and it's blowing out but it's still cold, that doesn't necessarily help the baseball a whole lot. But when it warms up and it gets windy, that is something that will be more beneficial to the flight of the ball. Maybe close that gap a little bit in terms of average fly ball distance. But again, I, I just, it's all speculation right now until I actually see that it takes place. And I do think that it will. And I don't know if totals will adjust quickly enough. But you know, look, I also didn't think that the impact of the humidor would be as big as it has been here in the month of April. So you know, we'll have to see if, if it is just the humidor or if it's something different about the the physical you know, shape and properties of the baseball. Okay, before we get out of here, come back, we're going to talk about Adam Sabermetric stat of the week. So, yeah, it's 3-3 now. Dom Smith just doubled home a run. I saw the Mets at plus 104, hit it, and it went dead. So I didn't get the live bet in. Last week, 2-0 and on our live bets on the show bet. That was nice. I'm looking at the lines right now. Phillies plus 210. Total here is 10. That's interesting, okay? We're in the bottom of the fourth inning. Obviously, the Mets being the home team. What do you think of this total of 10 as we're six through six uh, runs here in just four innings? Yeah, you know, I was just trying to look and, and check out the bullpen usage and kind of see who was fresh for this game mm -hmm. and who wasn't because you know, I think that's going to be a really big factor here. I mean, obviously, Scherzer will continue to work deep into the game, but Zach Eflin not really locating as well in this start as he has in some of his previous starts. 
Do the Phillies have to go to that bullpen a little bit earlier than they wanted to? Looks like we don't have anybody for the Mets that's in a back-to-back situation here, and uh, nobody for the Phillies either. So both of these bullpens pretty well-rested. I would think offense kind of slows down based on the season that we've had so far, but you know we'll see what happens here in the bottom of the fourth. All right. He's Adam Burke. I'm Holden Kushner. Hang in here with us on the run line. We are going to be talking about Adam Sabermetric stat of the week on VSIN, the sports betting network. Baseball predictions made brighter. Join the Born in a Ballpark Challenge presented by Blue Moon to compete free for cash all season. Enter weekly prediction pools to fight for your share of $62,500 in total cash prizes. Head to DraftKings.com backslash Blue Moon to join the action. Blue Moon, made brighter. 21 plus only. Terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. And please, drink responsibly. And welcome back to the run line. I'm Holden Kushner alongside Adam Burke. Time to get into Adam's Saber Metrics of the Week in just a second. Before we do that, we're talking about this uh, Phillies-Mets game, which has been a little bit bonkers. You've got Kyle Schwarber with a pair of home runs. The Mets tied things up on a Dom Smith RBI double. 3-3 the score headed into the top of the fifth inning again. I tried to get in on the Mets plus 104. Didn't happen. The inning ended. Right now, the lines look like this on Bet Rivers. Phillies plus 143. Mets minus 182. And the total has dropped to 9.5. And, and as Adam was talking about, uh, before the break, if you're live better and we're both live betters and most of my money goes into live betting, you have to know what's going on with the bullpen. I think it's always nice to remind people, Adam, of what's going on and, and how to bet live on baseball. If you don't have that bullpen chart in front of you, you're doing it wrong. Yeah, no, absolutely. You, you need to know who's available. You need to know if the star guys are available, the guys at the back end of the bullpen, the high leverage guys, especially with the fact that we've got a 3-3 game here through four innings. The, you know, theoretically, it should remain tight throughout. We could, of course, have, you know, one team score maybe three runs in an inning and kind of spread out the game, something like that. But now that we're about halfway through the game, it's three to three. You need to know who's available, especially if this game is close late. So it's very important to look at the bullpen usage and the recent workloads for these guys. Yep, no doubt about that. Let's get into the uh, sabermetrics here. Adam, sabermetrics of the week. What is the sabermetric stat of the week, Adam? So the sabermetric stat for this week is hard hit percentage. And I talk about this a lot in the daily article over at vcin.com. It is the percentage of batted balls hit at least 95 miles per hour. So hard contact is a very good thing. Even this season where hard contact hasn't been as successful, hard contact is still very, very important. Now, as we mentioned, the league-wide batting average is 231 for this season. That does include strikeouts, so it's not just balls in play like this stat is. But guys are batting 464 on batted balls of at least 95-plus miles per hour. The interesting thing about that is that's actually 36 points lower than last season. So, again, we talk about the decrease in offense, hard-hit contact not having as much success so far here this season. But it's a really important indicator of contact quality. And as you go down, like let's say you change the threshold from 95 miles per hour or higher to 94 miles per hour or higher, the batting average is going to go down about 15 points. So for each mile per hour of exit velocity, batting average is going to go down about 10 to 15 points. So it's really important to make as violent of contact as you possibly can. And the teams that are doing well with that here so far this season, the Yankees, 46.2% 
of their batted balls at least 95 miles per hour. I know the graphic looks a little bit different. Uh, we sent that in a couple of days ago. But the Yankees, 46.2%. The Blue Jays, 442 The Phillies here in this game, 42.7%. And two more coming off the bat of Kyle Schorber, both of them leaving the yard. So hard contact is really, really important. It used to be even more important. And if what Holden said is true, that you know the humidor and the warm weather will kind of start changing the baseball a little bit, Hard contact is going to be very important to follow. So look to fade pitchers that allow a really high hard hit percentage. Look to play on pitchers that don't allow a lot of hard hit contact where the league average is about 38.5%. Yeah, I don't think there's any surprise at the top there either, right? We go into this season, who are we talking about the best offenses in baseball? I think the Blue Jays, to me, pop number one. A healthy White Sox team would be up there. Obviously, the Yankees and Aaron Judge, what is he at? I mean, just every night he's hitting a home run. Every day he's hitting a home run. The Yankees, every day they're just winning. And then there's the Phillies at 44.1%. I do wonder how much this has to do with the top shelf hitters on every team carrying the way. Is there always going to be three, four guys that maybe carry the offense when it comes to um, hard hit percentage? Or is it the team top to bottom? And I almost feel like this is from a feel. Again, this isn't from the numbers, but when you look at the Yankees, Blue Jays, Phillies, top to bottom, these are three of maybe the five or six best offenses in the game, top to bottom, Adam. Yeah, they're very deep offenses, to be sure. And by the way, you mentioned the White Sox. Even with all their injuries, they're fourth in hard hit percentage right now, 41%. Tampa Bay, 41%. Atlanta is sixth at 39.2, but they didn't have Ronald Acuna Jr. for the first three weeks. He makes elite-level contact. He's about in the top 1% of hard hit percentage. So the Braves will be a team that continues to make hard contact. They'll move up a little bit as well. As far as some of the bottom feeders, St. Louis, 33 or 32.3%. Washington, 32.4%. The Guardians, 325 The Mets, 32.8%. So some offenses that – the Mets' offense has been, I think, better than their contact quality would suggest – so to me, I look at them and think they're a regression candidate. You know, same thing with the Cardinals, who we've seen have kind of fallen off a little bit over the last few days. So I use this to kind of look for, you know, team-based regression. If you're not making hard contact, but you're scoring runs, you're getting lucky on balls in play. That's probably not going to be all that sustainable. So you can look at it from a team level and also from a player level, specifically with the starting pitchers. Yeah, and no shocker. I mean, we've <laughs> we got the Reds. At 33.2%. I mean, this is astounding. This organization's been around a long time, right? They've lost six in a row. I just saw them here in Colorado. They're 3-19 and 19 now. They can't do anything right, to be perfectly honest with you. They're absolutely abysmal. Castellini, their owner, comes out preseason and says, you're not going anywhere. No matter how bad this team is, you're not going anywhere. I don't know where Reds fans are going. They might just punt on the season 3-19, and 19, and a lot of that has to do with the contact that they're making right now. Yeah, I mean, look, the Reds, and, and a big part of this, too, is that Joey Votto is not making much contact at all. And Joey Votto is a guy that last year got real selfish. You know, he had always been a player that carried, you know, a 15 to 20% walk rate. Last year, he got selfish. He said, you know what, I'm going to be aggressive in the zone. I'm going to be aggressive with chasing pitches. And he wound up with some really impressive contact quality numbers to the point where I actually bet him here at Circa at 225 to 1 to be the guy to lead the league in home runs. I don't even think he's hit one yet because he's not making enough contact, but it was a significant shift in ideology for him. So those are things you can look at in terms of the player futures market, in terms of MVP futures market, stuff like that, 
to look for guys that maybe have taken a leap in terms of their contact quality because those are guys that will ultimately produce even if they're not producing just yet. I mean, you would think at some point in time this team will go on a little winning streak, four or five games. Three and 19? I mean, that's historically bad is what we're looking at this organization. Like, is this just check it off right now? They're losing 100 games. There, is there any way they can avoid losing 100 games at 3-19? and 19? I mean, I would say probably not. The, the one thing I will say for Cincinnati here, they started with Atlanta. They actually split that series, that four-game series down in Atlanta where they were having right. championship week, celebrating their World Series, all of that. They played the Guardians for two games when Cleveland's offense was hot. Then they went on the road and played the Dodgers for four, the Padres for three. They played the Padres for three more at home. Now they're in Colorado where the Rockies end up playing really, really well. Yes, this team is terrible. Yes, they're three and 19. Yes, they've lost 16 of their 19 games on the run line as well, but they've played a very difficult schedule to this point. They've got three with Milwaukee next week on the road. Then they host Pittsburgh, host Milwaukee, and then go to Pittsburgh. So, with Pittsburgh on the schedule, maybe the Reds can pick up a couple of wins here or there, but they've been really up against it here in terms of the quality of competition they've faced so far. Yeah, it's just about as bad as it gets. And that whole division, I mean, let's face it, outside of the Cardinals and the Brewers, this is a two-team race there, and the Cardinals and the Brewers are going to be able to just clean up on the rest of that competition. I get it, the Cubs, the Cardinals, it's a rivalry, this, that. Th these are just the two teams that are headed shoulders above the rest of it. And you brought up the Pirates, too. I didn't I didn't know they were as bad as they were until I sat down and watched two full games that they had against the Padres. But that offense, once you get to number four, what do you got, Susugo? That is just as bad, about as bad as it gets. I mean, the Reds' offense is bad. The Pirates' offense, not much better. As a matter of fact, I'd put them in the same category with maybe, what, Arizona, Detroit, and Kansas City. It's horrible. Yeah, it's a really, really bad group, and it would have been an even worse group if they had traded Brian Reynolds, as they talked about prior to the season. Yep. Of course, they gave him the two-year extension, so he'll be around for a little bit, but it is it is not a good baseball team, and, and frankly, I'm surprised that they're 9-13 and 13 because, to me, they look a lot worse than that 9-13 and 13 record. We could say the same thing about the Diamondbacks and their offense, but their pitching has actually been really, really good, so they actually have a surprisingly decent record for how poorly they've hit the ball offensively. But yeah, you know, you just look at some of these teams and, and whether you watch them or you just look through the stats and the metrics, you just look at them and you go, I, I don't know how they win games at all, let alone have the records that they do. Yep, no doubt about that. We got one game in progress that we're following live. It's the Phillies and the Mets. 3-3 the score, bottom of the fifth inning. Scherzer took care of his business and that last inning and Kyle Schwarber has hit a pair of home runs. He is the New York Mets daddy. He is Adam Burke. I'm holding Kushner. You are watching or listening to the run line. Talking some baseball here on a Sunday night on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. The VSIN Spring Special is here for only $59. You get everything VSIN has to offer from now till the end of July. The next few months, they're going to be filled with the best betting content in the business right here at vsin.com. And subscribers are going to have access to all of it, including the man I'm doing the show with, Adam Burke, his daily Major League Baseball best bets. You get those. JVT, best bets all the way through the NBA Finals. Love that. Read it every day. Andy McNeil, breaking down the Stanley Cup playoffs. How great is that? We get that starting up tomorrow. Uh, everybody in Vegas, hope you have a good time watching every other team. 
We'll have lots of NFL preseason coverage as well, not to mention continued best bets and premium articles covering golf, UFC, USFL, NASCAR, Kentucky Derby betting guide. If you want the full VSIN experience, featuring daily best bets, email every edition of Point Spread Weekly. Use of our betting tools and a live video stream whenever you want it. The cost is only $59. You can be a subscriber through July 31st. Sign up now, vcin.com backslash spring. And welcome back to the run line. I'm holding Kushner alongside Adam Burke, who you know very well. One game in progress right now. Mets, Phillies, 3-3 the score. Bottom of the fifth inning, Kyle Schwarber has hit a pair of home runs. Looking at the live lines right now, Mets minus 205. I think the Phillies in a tie ball game. To win this thing, you're getting 163 plus 163. And we saw the total at 10 and a half earlier this game. It's sitting now at nine and a half. Juice not that high uh, to the over. It's plus 106. Well, actually, they just changed it to minus 136 to the under. So heavy, heavy juice to the under all of a sudden. Okay. We've got that out of the way. Adam, let's get into the next thing we want to talk about. There are some teams that are really hot that you do not think is going to continue. And I'm just looking at the list here and I'm saying, all right, what about the Minnesota Twins? Talk to me about the Minnesota Twins. They had started the season out. They've got a six-man rotation. Today, Winder goes out. He was absolutely spectacular. But is something rubbing you the wrong way with the Twins? At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Yeah, there definitely is. And we're going to try to do this here going forward on the show. I call this segment the regression report because this is what I do. I look for indicators of teams that are going to experience either positive or negative regression. So teams that experience positive regression, I want to bet on. Teams I expect negative regression from, I want to bet against. And the Twins are one of the teams that I want to bet against right now. We talked about left on base percentage. I believe that was the sabermetric stat of last week's show. The Twins lead Major League Baseball and left on base percentage as a pitching staff at 80.2%. So they have a 315 ERA with a 368 FIP, which stands for Fielding Independent Pitching. When you see a lower ERA than FIP, usually it's a sign that some negative regression is coming. And I think that will be the case for Minnesota here because this is a team where they're getting a lot more than they anticipated from Dylan Bundy. Joe Ryan has been about as good as possible in his first four starts. I'm not a big Chris Paddock guy. He's looked good in his three starts. Uh, You mentioned Josh Winder today. He's been really good over 16 innings. Guys that don't necessarily have a track record or a proven track record at being that good, I kind of worry about this Minnesota Twins team a little bit. With that being said, when you look at their upcoming schedule, they've got a lot of the Royals, they've got a lot of the Tigers, they've got a lot of some really bad teams here 
over the next month or so. So if their pitching regression happens, you may see some overs with them because I think their offense can still hit those pitching staffs. So the Twins are just a team that I feel like right now, at this point in time, is just overachieving a little bit, and especially with the fact that their bullpen ERA is a little bit on the high side, even though their left on base percentage is high. So they're still stranding runners, still giving up a lot of runs. That's not really a recipe for future success, I don't think. So I think the Twins are something of a bet against team here. Again, the schedule may kind of keep that from happening, but if it does, then I'll really look to go against them in the summer months. I'm with you, and I think there's going to be a situation where the Twins' offense is going to be carrying them a lot during the summer. The one thing that I can say about some of the pitchers you mentioned, I was in D.C. for a long time working for Masson. We had the Nationals and the Orioles, so I saw a lot of Dylan Bundy. This was a former number one overall pick. If he wasn't number one, he was a top five pick. Chris Paddock, big-time prospect as well. Guys that didn't just haven't panned out to this point. We saw two years ago Bundy looked pretty good. Uh, but going forward with this six-man rotation, they're going to have to narrow it to five. I wonder if Winder is going to be a part of it for the rest of the season. You're right on Ryan, but if they can get something, I think out of one of the three veteran pitchers that they brought on, whether it be Dylan Bundy or Archer or Paddock, if one of those three guys can emerge, I think this regression will be felt a lot less than if all three of them are just a disaster. Do you think that one of those three guys, though, can step up and have a good season after what they've shown throughout their career? Look, I think Joe Ryan is legit. I think that Joe Ryan is a guy that can really continue to post very good numbers, especially, again, with the quality of offenses that are coming up. Chris Paddock is a two-pitch pitcher, so I don't like two-pitch starters, and that's why a lot of two-pitch guys end up becoming relievers. He doesn't have a third pitch. And teams like the Dodgers and the Giants and the Rockies and all those teams out there out West, you know, they, they were sort of able to you know, take advantage of that. Teams in the American League will start to take advantage of that as well. I think part of this for this Twins pitching staff is also what we talked about already in terms of the dead ball, the lack of offense. They've played some games in very cold weather up there at Target Field, things that have benefited their pitchers. They played some cold weather games in Chicago as well. So I think those are things that have kind of helped out this pitching staff look a little bit better than it actually is. I don't think Dylan Bundy is a guy that I want to bet on long-term. I think maybe Bailey Ober, or Ober is a guy that could wind up taking a little bit of a leap, and I know the market has kind of bet on him more often than not here, but I don't believe in Paddock. I think the arsenal is just too limited. I don't believe in Bundy, and I don't really like this bullpen a whole lot either. So I do think that this is a team that will kind of fall off the pace uh, probably pretty soon, I think, actually. Okay, let's get to the worst oxymoron in the history of the world. Can we come up with another thing than saying positive regression? It just doesn't make any sense. Not, none to me. And you guys are just going to keep I'm, – I'm saying you, Adam. You, you are going to keep using this term. It's just – it's a pet peeve of mine. Jumbo shrimp, I can live with. This one, not so much. That being said, positive regression. I'll, pay, I'll play along here and talk to me a little bit about the, uh, the Brave staff. What's going on with them in Atlanta? Yeah, you know, the Atlanta Braves, we talk about left on base percentage and the importance of that. I mean, left on base percentage is going to dictate a game more often than not because, you know, if you're able to strand runners with men in scoring position, that's going to help you win games. And to this point, the Braves really haven't. Through Thursday's games, they were at 68.4%. And again, I've talked about this a lot in the daily article, and I will keep talking about it here on the show. If you have a higher ERA and a lower FIP, that is a good indicator as Holden loves hearing me say, of positive regression. 
So the Braves going into Thursday's games had a 4.22 ERA and a 3.49 FIP. So that was just a scenario where they weren't stranding runners. They weren't getting those big two out, you know, strikeouts or pop outs or anything like that. Those are things that typically don't continue throughout the course of a season if you have a talented pitching staff and the Braves have a very talented pitching staff. So I think their pitching is going to really improve here. And now with Acuna Jr. back, their offense should take a leap as well. I think the Braves are a team that we want to play on over the next three or four weeks here. Were we talking about Acuna this time last week? We were, because I remember having the conversation and Alex Anthopoulos coming out during the show saying, listen, we might have to speed up the timetable. Yeah, the, the timetable got sped up. The Braves needed him pretty bad and they got him. Did they, Adam? No surprise whatsoever. He was on the fast track back. And I said, when I saw him, I said, this guy is ready to go after about two games. They brought him up, and I find it was a. I, I thought it was a good move here by Anthopoulos and the Braves. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, again, anything that can kind of help out the offense, help out the pitching staff. And in fact, they're up to sixty-nine point two percent now with that left on base percentage after this weekend's games. But but to your point, I mean, look, you know, Acuna is a guy that just he hits. He all he does is hit, and he makes a lot of authoritative contact. He bats at the top of the order, which is really important because you need those table setters to be really good. A team at the Braves just finished playing the Texas Rangers. Their guys at the top of the order are not swinging it well. Kyle Seager has hit a few home runs here of late, but Marcus Semien's not swinging it well. Uh, Mitch Garver was not. They dropped him down in the lineup. They'd been batting Cole Calhoun leadoff against righties. He wasn't getting it done. The top of the order has to get on base for you, and then you hope that the bottom of the order is able to come through. But that's the thing for Atlanta here. The top of their order will get on base a lot, and simply by proxy, the rest of the offense will improve. I absolutely love this, despite the fact that you're saying positive regression. I love this topic. When we come back, I, I want to get to the hitting part of things because I think it's interesting with the Cubs and the Blue Jays. So let's do the flip side of this. Also, one game going on right now. Ooh, the Mets just got the run across. They did just get the run across. Okay, so it is 4-3 Mets over the Phillies. Runners on second and third, one out. Eflin's out. Jose Alvarado is in, no surprise. Uh, that he let one of the inherited runners in, although the bases were loaded. So that happened. But right now, 4-3 Mets on top. You want to take the Phillies? You think they can come back? Plus 430 on the money line of the total sitting at 11. Juice to the under at minus 125. He's Adam Burt. My name's Holden Kushner. Brian Ortega, our producer, clarifying. Dylan Bundy, the fourth pick. Not the first, but a top five. Not too bad. This is the run line on VSIN, the sports betting. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. <laughs> 